you know what Wednesday means. That means Jack Windsor bursts through the door, followed by his adoring crowd, cheering his every move, back-patting him on his phenomenal work on the Ohio Press Network, and as our Statehouse correspondent for AM 1420, The Answer, Jack Windsor. Welcome back, my friend. How are you, sir? Bob, I'm super fantastic. Great to be here with you and the listeners uh, this morning. Thanks for choosing me. Do you run a bus for those folks who follow you around every day, or are they all like on their own? Yeah, you know, man, that's I'm looking for a van, so you know, I can I can add to my uh, add to my people, and we can just roll around the state of Ohio, and you know, I can I can feel better about myself. You know, funny funny story. Actually, I took Latin in high school, and yeah. uh, you know, a, a lot of the a lot of the leaders back. Wait, in, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait! Before you tell your funny story, you took Latin yeah. in high school. That puts you on the radar of the FBI, doesn't it? Probably. Well, dude, if I'm not, I'm I'm probably on a poster somewhere in D.C., Bob. Let's be real about that. I'm talking, of course, I mean, about the uh, the FBI uh, uh, just a couple of weeks ago had decided to target Latin mass attending Catholics as potential terrorists, domestic terrorists, right. specifically Latin right. attendees. So attendees. So I'm assuming that 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 counts you. Anyway, your story. No, so you know, way back in the day, um, in, in ancient Rome, uh, th- there were people that would walk around and whisper into the ears of these leaders, "You're great, you're phenomenal." So yeah, you know, I'm just trying to emulate that man with my crew. So we're trying to buy a van so I can just continue to feel better about myself as we Love roll it. around the state of Ohio. Love it, Jack's people, <laughs> Jack's people everywhere he goes. Jack, um, lot lot to get into today. I want to yep. start. I want to start selfishly, and I want to promote our uh, podcast that we do together. It's called yeah. Talk and Smack with Bob and Jack. <clears throat> We do it once a week or twice a week, depending on the news cycle and where we are with our own schedules. But uh, this week is a big one. This week we had an interview just uh, two nights ago. We recorded it. It's dropped now wherever it is that you get your podcast. You can also catch it on Facebook and on YouTube. But uh, we had a, a good 45 minutes with the man who should be the Speaker of the House of Representatives in the state of Ohio, Derek Marin. Uh, and, Jack, i got to tell you, I mean, he was very upfront. He was very forthright. And he was a heck of a lot more calm and chill about the way everything went down than I am. You can tell he's frustrated you can tell he's uh yeah. he feels like he's got a lot to offer you can tell the abortion issue that is going to be very front and center in the state now um is potentially you know in a, in a bad place because of what was yeah. done with the speaker steal but um i i was very impressed by that uh, by the presentation and the answers that derek Marin gave what are your thoughts well i thought it was refreshing because there's been so much said and so much written uh about what happened in November of last year and then on January 3rd when Jason Stevens won the speaker's gavel. So it was, to me, it was intriguing uh, and entertaining to listen to Derek tell the story about what really happened. Because we heard a lot that, hey, he wasn't calling me or he wasn't organized and he didn't have the calendar put together and the committees put together and he hit it head on. And so um, I think it's really important for people to understand uh, what really went on behind the scenes and, and to hear from Derek. He was calm. Uh, he, he is collected. And, uh, you know, he based on what he said, he still has a purpose. And that purpose is to, you know, to work hard to get conservative legislation over the finish line. So I thought it was a fantastic interview. And, uh, you know, Bob, who knows, maybe we can get Jason Stevens in the next week or two. And uh, he can tell his side of the story because I think Ohioans need that. I think I think Ohioans need to understand what really happened and why it happened. And we we point blank asked Derek that question. Why did this happen? I mean, you have 67 Republicans. You didn't need a Democrat. Why did this happen? And he said money and power. So I'd love to ask Jason Stevens that same question. Jason, 
Why did it happen, man? Why, why did you split the party? Why is it splintered now? And why do you have to partner with Democrats in order to get things done? And let them answer it. Ohioans deserve that, man. They sure as hell do. And I hope we can make that happen, too. Uh, I am not going to hold my breath, however. Um, uh, we also asked Eric, what is the difference between you and Jason Stevens? He's got a lot of people who are conservative who say he's just as conservative conservative as you are. And I thought Derek's answer, answers were, were terrific. He does draw a very clear distinction between the two of them on a host of very important issues. So if you, uh, you want to hear the whole conversation, just uh, find our podcast, Talk and Smack with Bob and Jack. If you search for it on your podcast provider, don't search for you know my last name or Jack's. Uh, you're not going to find it. You have to look for Talk and Smack with Bob and Jack, and it'll pop up and you can watch it or listen to it wherever it is that you get your podcast but uh, we certainly think you'll enjoy the conversation with Derek Merritt. Um, okay Jack let's um, get into some of the news of the day let's start first with uh, something you and I talked about long before the 20, uh, November election <clears throat> elections plural and that is the attempt to essentially gut the Department of Education and uh, overhaul it and replace the Board of Education with a cabinet-level position in the leadership of the governor. And that, of course, is Mike DeWine. Uh, this DEW, Ohio Department of Education and Workforce, is what it would be called, um, this bill is passed. SB1 has passed the Senate. They're sending it over to the House. And then, of course, it would go to yeah. Mike DeWine, where presumably he would be more than thrilled to sign it, giving him basically control over who runs the uh, Board of Education in the state. So, Jack, uh, explain this to us. Yeah, so I'm going to dive in. And, you know, I tend to get a little bit of inside baseball, so make sure to pull me out of the weeds where you need to, Bob. But uh, the, governance, the governance of, of kindergarten through 12th grade education is now – uh, purporting to be transferred uh, to a governor-appointed, uh, Senate-approved, cabinet-level position it, that does what you just said. It renames it the Department of Education and Workforce. So there are really two uh, fa- uh, two separate sides comprising, the, we'll call it the DO or the DEW. It's the Primary and Secondary Education Division and the Career Technical Education Division. Now, both of those divisions are led, obviously, by the uh, deputy directors appointed by the DEW director who's appointed by and accountable to the governor at that cabinet level. Level Now, the governor has a workforce board, too, and so those deputy directors would also be on that uh, workforce panel. And the powers now residing in the state board and uh, the superintendent of public instruction, um, some of those are going to stay there. Uh, they will retain the power regarding educator licensure, licensee disciplinary actions, school district territory transfers in, in other certain areas. Um, but a bulk of the power now resides with the Department of Education and Workforce. Now, uh, I'll pause there. There are a couple of uh, requirements for the Department of Education and Workforce that I think are important to account for. Um, but I'll, I'll pause there, Bob, in case in case I'm already too far. No, 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 it. no. I think you're. I think you're just fine. This is all very important back backstory information okay. here. We need to know exactly what the uh, what, you know the origin of this was, and then obviously what this is going to mean for students. What this is going to mean for parents, which I think is ultimately. Um, you know the issue here because the parents are attempting yeah. more and more to have an influence over school board policy to have at least yeah. input in discussing things with them school boards of course follow the lead of the state department of education so this matters a lot mm-hmm. so go ahead 
It does. And so really, you know, issues with curriculum, those are going to reside with, that power resides with the Department of Education and Workforce now. And so there are several people who say, well, wait a minute, there's a lot that's going to go on behind closed doors in these cabinet level meetings. Have we lost our ability to provide input and accountability? Uh, the, the other side would argue, well, no, there is accountability now because th- this person would answer to the governor. But the Department uh, of Education and Workforce would be required to identify in-demand jobs. Now, part of why they're doing that is they're also required to provide 7th and 8th graders uh, materials about available career opportunities. Uh, it requires the governor, as I mentioned, to appoint two deputy directors to his governor's executive workforce board. Uh, and then regarding non-chartered public schools, it sets minimum requirements, including hours of instruction, educational requirements for teachers and administrators, curriculum, promotion, safety requirements. And then regarding home education and school attendance, it excuses a child from attending a school if that child or that student is receiving core instruction and supervision from a parent, but not a quote qualified person. Um, if upper home instruction stops, it prohibits the superintendent from retroactively counting days that the student was out of school as truant days and charging parents, but it does however, expose the parents to you know, truancy laws going forward. And then um, the Department of Education and Workforce Directors responsible for updating rules for both non-chartered public schools and home schools, and it prohibits adding to those rules. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of broad power and in, in, in shifting going on there, and, and I'm sure that you have heard a lot from uh, proponents and opponents who are saying, hey, here's why we have to be concerned. Um, what, what are you hearing, Bob? On your, not a on lot, your Jack. To be truthful, not a lot. That's the reason. I mean, I don't think anybody is really following this very closely. You know, they told, they followed mm-hmm. this a little bit because it was an issue in the in the elections in in November, which we yeah. you and I talked about. You did a lot of work on the uh, How Press Network about this, but no, not mm-hmm. a lot of people are talking about this. Um, you know, yeah. they just. Uh, uh, I I think people are just assuming that you know once the Board of Education did what it did, which you know we didn't think they were mm-hmm. going to have a chance to do, uh, and that is to essentially tell the superintendent to make recommendations to all of Ohio school districts uh, that they're not going to abide by the new federal Title IX uh, regulations and, and the change in definition and so forth so that we can you know try to have some semblance of reality uh, in, in our schools in terms of gender and, mm-hmm. and, and girls' sports and, and those kinds of things. But since that happened, Jack, I have not heard a lot of people talking about SB1 at all. Well, it's interesting. I'll, I'll then fill in some of the gaps with what I'm hearing. You know, one of the concerns is, well, wait a minute, we have a Republican governor. What happens if Tim Ryan or some other, you know, chosen Democrat sits in that governor's chair? All of a sudden, uh, he or she will get to appoint uh, someone that, that leads our, our curriculum decisions statewide. But other folks go, well, we don't even have to go that far. Let's look at Governor DeWine's current appointment. To the State Board of Education and, you know, his unwillingness to stand against President Biden's radical Title IX changes and to rally the troops that have been appointed by the governor to the Board of Education. There are eight, 11 of them are elected. So out of that 19 member body, if you remember, um, there was a resolution that attempted to push back against some of these radical changes. And DeWine was silent and several of the people that he appointed uh, actually didn't didn't uh, favor that initiative. Or if they did, it was with a lot of, um, you know, wrangling and uh, arm twisting, I guess. And then you look at people like Amy Acton. And, you know, when she was out, uh, well, who did he try to replace her with? Dr. Joan Duebe, who's an abortionist. 
And then you look up in your neck of the woods, Bob, there at Cleveland State University, where a board of trustees just removed John Marshall's name from the law school. Mm -hmm. And it was a woke moment that was supported by both DeWine and Kasich appointees. So people are going, "Mm, I'm a little concerned about Mike DeWine having the opportunity to appoint a a director of the Department of Education and Workforce. Here's the other concern. Uh, There's concern that Intel, a corporation that ramrods woke activism and pro-abortion positions, is the tail that's going to wag the dog. And how this might show up, and I think you're already starting to see it, uh, at least concerned Ohioans are saying, it's going to show up this way. And they're going to say, you know, man, China's eating our lunch. They own global production of chips and batteries and so on and so forth. We don't have time to fight these cultural wars. We need to make our state workforce ready. And we do that by making sure that we're reaching down into the education apparatus to make them ready there. And that means making some concessions on cultural issues and really focusing on teaching, training and developing a workforce that will attract more businesses and provide for productive relationships with big businesses already here. And so then the issue is and the concern is, is that the door that these 96 genders and abortion proliferation uh, are going to walk through? And I think those are legitimate concerns. Bob. I do, too. I do, too. And and what you said a moment ago about, you know, Go- Governor DeWine, first of all, both parts of that. Governor DeWine's decision-making on uh, important appointments, as you mentioned with Amy Acton as an example, uh, leave a lot to be desired. Do I want him appointing the education version of Amy Acton to be this cabinet-level uh, overseer of the entire uh, State Department of Education? No, I do not, particularly when it comes to curricula. Uh, and second of all, what you said, what when, even if you trust him to make the right call, as you said, he's not going to be the governor forever. What happens when a left-wing governor gets in there and says, we're going all the way left? Now, I have a problem, largely speaking, with with unelected bureaucrats. I don't like people who don't have to answer to the public for what they do, having that kind of power. And, um, you know, whether it's DeWine or anybody else who appoints the wrong guy with woke um, ideology at the core of whatever the curricula is going to be as they try to drive the education in this country into a leftward, uh, you know, a, a left-leaning uh, spiral, if you will. Um, that's a problem for me. I want to be able to remove that person by ballot and uh, and not by, well, nope, he serves at the pleasure of the governor. I have a problem with that. Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of people do. And, and one of the things that uh, apo- excuse me, proponents of this legislation would point to is they, they would say, well, you know, the, the Senate has the opportunity to, you know, essentially stop the governor from making this appointment. Well, I'm going to point out that the Senate unanimously approved Dr. Amy Acton. I'm also going to point out that the previous, you know, the most recent appointees to the State Board of Education, the Senate didn't even vote on them, didn't even consider it. So it just happened automatically. So um, I hear you that the Senate has the ability to do it, but are they going to stand in that gap and, and actually do what they're supposed to I do? I have no faith whatsoever in that. That's one thing I have said, even with super majorities, even with supposedly conservative uh, viewpoints being uh, expressed by the constituents who put these people into their seats. I do not have full faith that they are going to follow uh, the wishes of the people. And uh, and that's a problem for me. Hey, Jack, um, we don't normally hold you over past our news. Maybe we'll call you back. But if you can, there's one other education yeah. story I'd like you to speak on. And it's uh, it's yeah. kind of local for me and you based on where you are right now. And we're here in Northeast Ohio because it's in the uh, Acre- technically Copley Fairlawn story. We've got good okay. news on the on the. Uh, 
war for our children's minds in their indoctrinations in these schools, particularly when it comes to sexual sexualized education. So I want to get your comments on that as we uh, come back. So we'll take this time out now. Uh, we'll get to our news. Jack Windsor will stick with us and uh, address this one last issue right here on AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. Okay, 11.34 now. Jack Windsor has been kind enough to work overtime for us here. Uh, Jack is, uh, of course, the uh, founder and the editor-in-chief of the Ohio Press Network. Make sure you uh, subscribe to that very important publication. Jack is uh, also our Ohio State House correspondent for AM 1420, The Answer. So, Jack, um, some great work, some great news here. Parents of the Copley Fairlawn Middle School, dis- uh, middle school um, uh, kids were alarmed to find out their children were being taught about gender identity as part of their fifth grade health curriculum. In a letter sent to parents, Ms. O'Donnell, a health teacher there, introduced the puberty education that fifth graders would receive, lessons covering physical and emotional changes that could be expected during puberty, and um, they would be taught in a way that was age-appropriate, scientifically accurate, and non-judgmental. But the lessons did not appear to be age-appropriate or scientifically accurate at all. Instead, they were pushing changing of genders, gender, gender identity and expression on people. That's the problem. Now let's get to the good news here. According to what we just found from Libs of TikTok, the Copley Fairlawn School District has revoked, essentially, that portion of their curriculum. They are removing gender gender identity from uh, their curricula for their uh, middle school or 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, eighth grade uh, age students. Um, that's a huge win, Jack, because you have been exposing so much of this through yours and your team's work at the uh, Ohio Press Network. And we've been talking about it on the radio, so people all over the country, uh, about how dangerous this is for kids. This is a good sign, right? Yeah, it, it seems to be a good sign. Um, and if nothing else, uh, you know, looking at it maybe uh, in a sobering way, I think what it does is it gives you a chance to go, okay, I've got a kid in fourth grade, fifth grade. Maybe I need to reach out to my school and request all the information that is going to be taught on puberty or, you know, physical maturity, whatever, whatever they're going to call it. Uh, make sure that you understand what's going on because, Bob, you read it. Age appropriate, scientifically accurate and non-judgmental. I mean, there should be a record scratch there. If you're talking about science, there's an XX and there's an XY. You can judge that. That's factual. That's accurate. So when they start using words like non-judgmental or gender identity and expression, you really should look into to what's being taught. But kudos to Libs of TikTok and parents for it, what appears to be you know an effort together uh, to expose what was going on and to stop it before. Can you imagine being a fifth grader and having to not only deal with, I mean, I remember fifth, sixth grade and the, the physical changes and emotional changes that you're going through, and now all of a sudden, um, you're told things that aren't scientifically accurate and certainly aren't age appropriate. No, and and Jack, we need to highlight victories when we get them. 
because this yep. you know this is what encourages us to work forward and 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 for parents yep. to work and move forward um we need to know that it's possible to make changes here this the, the story goes on principal Aaron Walker of this school sent an email to parents acknowledging that the original letter describing the lesson did not meet Ohio standards and confirmed the school would not be teaching about gender identity so the fact that they heard the call they heard the complaints mm-hmm. they looked into it and said this isn't appropriate we won't do it now hopefully we'll inspire people and, uh, and that's the reason I bring it up uh, Libs of TikTok is posting about it I'm sure you'll cover it in the press network I'm going to put it on the yep. radio because people need to know that their efforts sometimes bear fruit it's what keeps us making yep. the effort Amen couldn't have said it any better I'm glad you brought us back on track with that and uh, you know it's important to note that um, health curriculum standards are in the Ohio law and and so you know make sure that you're holding that up to, to what's being taught and uh, yeah kudos to uh, the district, by the way, for making the right decision, because, you know, uh, that's what they should do, but it's not what they always do. So it is a victory, and you take it and take a victory lap, but stay persistent. Well, to be truthful, it's more than just, you know, not always. It's rare, which is why we're it's newsworthy. You know what I mean? It's it's rare yep. that we actually yep. find somebody willing uh, or, or a school willing to say, yeah, that was wrong, this is right, let's do this, because um, the, the right now, um, what seems to be the M.O. is that school districts listen to parents complaining about things like this. Uh, they smile at them. They nod at them. They thank them for speaking at the uh, at the school board meeting. And then when they leave the room, they all laugh and scream bigots. Uh, and they just dismiss them. They're bigots. They're anti-LGBTQ. Uh, uh, you know, they're anti-gender affirm- affirming care. They're, you know, they don't care if kids kill themselves. All this crap that you hear is is pretty much what is the response of most schools are uh, and school boards are and, and even, quite yep. frankly, administrators. So they have this administrator in the form of a principal saying no that's it we're not doing that um very rare and very important for us to highlight when we get it yeah absolutely 100 percent. i mean you know it makes me think back to toledo cleveland cincinnati columbus uh the areas where there was uh you know undercover work done over the past several months and it it exposed what was going on which is what you just said and you know it's not just the LGBTQ plus activism, it's CRT, it's, it's all kind of this big ball of mess, right? Um, that's designed to create discontent and you know, separate students from their deeply held convictions and familial ties that, you know, keep them on a certain track in life. And so what, what those investigations uncovered is that schools are saying exactly what you just said. Oh, yeah, we hear you. We hear, no, 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 we're not doing that. You know, and then they're naming it something else or they're taking it out of the curriculum and doing it in extracurriculars or doing it at story time. And so well, didn't, um, didn't we find this way. out? Didn't we find this out in Olentangy where your daughter or was it? Um, it might have been Hilliard um, where it wasn't in the curriculum. It wasn't even in the, you know, the rec time or whatever. It was just between classes, hallway conversations. Hey there. Uh, did you know about yeah. this? And they just kind of they just kind of strike up conversations and put it under the radar, but inside the heads of your kids. And that's something that we found out was going on. Hilliard, it was going on. And I can say from personal experience how how it goes on in, say, schools like Olentangy is that they have a school counselor that comes in, you know, once every two weeks, and they have these discussions, and they start using phrases like children's bill of rights, and you have a right to your unique identity, right? And so they start depositing these thoughts. Certainly a kid has a bill of rights. It's the bill of rights that we all live under. Um, but, you know, they kind of bastardize that and then make it sound like, um, hey, we need to really protect everybody's individual right, which I agree. If a student at 18 or 19 or 20 years old wants to pretend to be something else, that's great. But if a typical student doesn't want to go along with that, 
the line in the sand for me is start punishing that typical student um, and their deeply held convictions and beliefs, which actually are scientific and accurate. Um, but I digress. So, yes, big win, big, big win. Uh, kudos to the parents and to Lips' TikTok for exposing this. Well, to, to correct part of what you just said, you don't digress. You're, you're right on point. This is specifically what we're talking about. No, it's, 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 it's accurate and it's, and it's right to bring it up. Uh, because the bottom line is, it's not just about their deeply held religious beliefs or whatever. I mean, it's just also grammar when it comes to pronoun usage, uh, that yeah. kids are being taught what, what a boy and a girl are and what he and him means and what they and them means and so on and plurals. Uh, all of this stuff is between the science of it, the English of it. We're asking kids to set aside reality. We're asking them to set aside our established language, our established science, our established you know DNA, biology, and so on and so forth, all in an effort to not in the in the reality is it's not even to affirm the individuals who are playing the game, the the pretend game. It is to make sure that the kids um, uh, avoid ostracization. They're willing to do it not out of affirmation, but out of fear of being condemned, being called what their parents are called, bigots, and so on and so forth. Ostracized, suspended, in trouble, etc. That's the real thing here. These kids are doing this at the tip of a spear, not out of a willingness to uh, uh, to try to you know to go along. No, you're absolutely right, and it guilts them, it shames them, and it blames them for things that are going on that they don't agree with. And, you know, that creates a ton of pressure. And I think that's why you probably see uh, that right now the trendy thing is to be transgender or to be gender fluid or to be, you know, to have a certain sexual preference that is, you know, off the standard because there's so much social pressure uh, and and there's so much going on, uh, you know, on social media. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, the thing that bothers me, Bob, as I think about this, and I'll try to bring this around the barn quickly, is that, we talked about this last time. God puts on your heart right and wrong. And, you know, we get into this mindset that we're going to teach kids to be non-judgmental. Hey, if somebody pulls up in a van and they have Smarties and duct tape, I want my kid to judge that that's what the heck out of Dodge. Why are we trying to teach our kids to go against things that actually will protect them, help them make wise choices in life, and, you know, live a, a richer, more satisfying life later on? Um, it's it's crazy to me. And I just wonder at some point where the line is for everybody. I, I wonder if many people just still think, hey, this really isn't going on or it will eventually go away. It's a fad. But man, think about all the damage that gets done to a kid emotionally and psychologically in the interim before this gets corrected. Yeah, and I think there's two. The the younger parents who actually have the kids in this think that they're being forward-thinking and progressive, and the older generations don't have kids anymore, and so they're just kind of ignoring it. That's not my problem, and that is a huge problem. Jack Windsor, thank you, my friend. I appreciate you being here. Uh, always a pleasure. That's all the time we've got for today. Thanks to my guests, thanks to my team, and thanks to you. We'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.